Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? All right, so we are in the middle of our Praying with Confidence message series, uh, which has been written uh, by, based on a book that Pastor Jeff Leak at Allison Park Church has written called Praying with Confidence. And it's really all about learning how that we can pray not to get God to do things that he doesn't want to do, but instead, instead agreeing with him from a biblical perspective on what prayer should be. And that allows us to pray with confidence. And so last week, or actually two weeks ago, uh, we learned about we can pray consistently. And I gave everybody a challenge here to, to try to pray for 10 to 15 minutes a day uh, so how did you guys do? I would say some of you did a great job with it, and others of you probably even forgot about it, and that's okay too. Um, but I want to encourage you to continue with that. One of the things that we said uh, a couple weeks ago in our Pray I Can Pray Consistently message was that in order for us to grow spiritually, we have to take it upon ourselves, right? There's, a, there's this, this, this place where if we want to grow spiritually, we have to take responsibility for our own spiritual lives. And that begins by having a daily or a regular time in the Word, reading God's Word and praying. Uh, so today we're going to kind of continue with that theme uh, and going a little bit further. And we're going to talk about authority, praying with authority. Before we do, though, I want to kind of tell you a little bit of a, a, of a small story. I remember oftentimes when I was in college, uh, you know, if anyone who's gone to college knows that you don't have any money, usually you're broke in college. That was certainly my case. I did have a job early on. And typically what would happen in an evening or on a weekend particularly, we would end up with a group of friends of mine who um, would want to get pizza or they would want a snack because usually we're up playing video games pretty late. Um, I think at the time the Xbox came out and Halo uh, was the game that just changed everything. We spent hours and hours and hours playing video games. And I remember wanting food. But oftentimes I didn't have any money to get the food and didn't have money to, to be able to purchase for pizza. So I ended up going into my room and I'm scrounging around and I'm looking for change. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Just scrounging for change in your couch or anywhere you could go. And so where does one logically end up when they don't have money to go buy anything? They go to what's called a vending machine, right? So oftentimes when, during college, that's what I would do. I would scrounge up enough change and I would go find the vending machine and, you know, look through. Maybe there's a honey bun I could get or, or a Snickers or something. So you put the money in and then you push the buttons and then, you know, and then eventually it comes out. But occasionally what would happen instead of the item actually coming out, you put in your amounts, you know, you drop your money in, you push the button and you're waiting for this glorious, tasty food to come out. And what happens? The little tiny spirally wire pushes it out just enough, and then it gets hung up, right? Has anyone ever experienced this process, okay? Yes, everybody knows what I'm talking about with the vending machine, and it's frustrating. So what do you do? In that moment, I don't have money to go buy a pizza. I can't go to Taco Bell to get uh, the, the tacos that my wife and I would go spend all the time. I was in the middle of the night, didn't have a ride. I need this honey bun. That's what I'm feeling, right? So there's clearly a sign on the front of this vending machine that says, do not rock the, the machine. But I need my food. So what do I do? Like any good citizen would be, I gather a couple friends and say, come help me. And what do we do? We shake this thing until the honey bun or whatever it was falls out into the bottom. I think where I'm going with this about this vending machine is I think sometimes we feel like that's kind of like what our relationship in prayer with God is like, is that somehow when I pray to God and I say, hey, God, this is what I want. This is what I need in my life. I'm going to pray to you for it. And that somehow the thing that we need gets hung up somewhere in the wires of heaven. That for some reason, I don't get what I need and what I want. So now we feel like, well, I got to rock something. I got to do something. God, if, I, if you give me this thing, then, then, then I promise I'll never 
never do this again, or, or I'll do this, or I'll love you more, or I'll read the Bible more, or whatever, right? That's the rocking of the vending machine of our faith. And I think that's such a wrong perspective. I think there's a couple of perspectives that are wrong. And this is the problem, is that God has it. We think that this is the idea, that God has it, I need it, and that how do I get it? And it brings this place of frustration. Because, God, why won't you answer my prayer? I want this thing. It's a good thing, or I need this thing. Why hasn't it come to me yet? Right? That perspective of that God has what I want, I need that thing, but it hasn't come yet. That's the wrong perspective of prayer. Similarly, that Pastor Jeff in the video was talking about with wishing. We talked about that. This concept of if I just make a wish and send it to heaven in hopes that maybe it'll get answered. These are wrong perspectives. But the right idea, actually, from a biblical perspective, is that God wants the things that are there out for me, that, that Satan and evil resists it, and then through prayer, I fight for the thing that God wants to give me already. You see, there's a biblical worldview that we see all throughout Scripture that there is good in this world, but there is also evil in this world. Now, this is something that I think many of us, you know, especially in our modern context, would say, okay, where is he going with this, right? Like, I'm not going to get into all sorts of weird stuff, but what I am saying is that, that from a biblical perspective, we would be silly to not acknowledge the fact that there is evil in this world that resists what the good of God wants to do in our lives, okay? So this perspective, the right idea that the Bible teaches us is that, is that, is that evil is often resisting the will of God. So even though the Bible teaches us that there are, that God has promises for our lives, right? All throughout scripture, we've talked about this last several weeks, that there are promises that we can pray. Every day throughout this series, we're praying declarations from God's word, believing that what God's word says is true. I'm believing it for my life and I'm agreeing with that. We've, we've talked about that. But the reality is that some things don't always happen the way that they're supposed to or don't all happen as often as they should or as quickly as they might. And the reason for that, the Bible teaches, is because it's not just me and God or you and God in the equation. It's that there is evil forces resisting and trying to push against that. There are other people at play in this situation. So the right concept for us is to understand that when we are praying, what we're trying to do is fight. We are fighting for what God wants for us. We're fighting for that in the spirit realm. We are doing battle. And there's more to talk about this. But the big idea today, the main idea, the thing that's going to sort of drive this whole message, if you're taking notes, I encourage you in your program, pull out the message notes. And uh, right up there, it's this big idea. Here's the, this is sort of the guiding concept for the day. God is not like a personal vending machine. He is like a commanding officer. God is not a personal vending machine. He's not, I, I did what I was supposed to do, and now you're supposed to give me. That's not how it works. In reality, God is more like a commanding officer. You see, what I mean by that is that God wants to overthrow the dark powers in this world. The evil that we know exists in this world, I think anybody would say, yes, clearly there is evil in this world. Not necessarily ready to say where it comes from, whatever, but it does exist, okay? So God wants to overthrow that evil, and he wants to use you and I in order to accomplish that. We live in a dark, dark place. Everywhere we turn, on our streets, in the news, in other states, in other countries, we see horrible, horrible things happening all over the place. And what God wants to do is he wants to take his love, his hope, his life, put it inside of you through his son, Jesus Christ. And then he wants to use you through prayer and through your actions to go into that darkness and shine light, to dispel it, and to set other people free just like you were once 
set free. That's what he's wanting to do. He wants to mobilize an army of people who will pray, who will show love and obedience to his word to make the world a better place. And if we could understand that this, it will help see our life differently. It will help us approach our world differently. It will change the way that you see your problems and it will change the way that you respond to them because we will understand that there are forces working against us. In Ephesians chapter 2, this is really where all of this stuff comes from, okay? In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is the guy who wrote it. Apostle Paul, he was a church planter, much like myself. He went into a community who didn't know Jesus and came there to start something that didn't exist and then tell them the good news and bring that light. Paul did the same thing in a city called Ephesus. Ephesus is where we were now is modern-day Turkey, okay? So Paul went and planted a church in Ephesus, and what he was doing in Ephesians was he was giving them instructions about the worldview that they needed to have because it was different. These guys were not Jewish people. They were individuals who, who didn't know the laws that God had set in for all time anyway. So they were living a life that was completely different from what God intended. And he wrote the book of Ephesians to these people who were new Christians to help them understand why the world operates the way that it does. And the first scriptures that we see that we're going to go in today in Ephesians chapter 2 are the description of the condition of every single person in this world before they meet Christ. Let's take a look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It'll be on the screen if you have your Bibles, open them up. If you have a tablet or a smartphone, I encourage you to get the Bible app, the Version Bible app. It has a world of possibilities of reading scripture. This is what it says. This is what Paul was teaching the new Christians in Ephesus. He says, as for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. Okay, so what we see here is that before Christ, Scripture teaches us that we were spiritually empty, that we were dead inside, that, that, that we, it says we were dead in our sin because we were completely disconnected from God. Now, there was an inner longing all throughout creation, all throughout history. We see mankind searching and searching and trying to find answers for the problems that we face. This, this issue, the world that we live in, is not new. Everything that's been happening, in fact, in the Bible, it says nothing is new under the sun. So everything we see, all the terrible things that are happening, the selfishness that I live out and that my children live out and their children live out, and all of these things that we deal with, all of it has been happening for ages and ages and ages. And we see that people have been searching for that. So we know that before Christ, that, our, that we are spiritually dead inside. Then it continues, and it says, The ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. What this is saying is this is referring to those powers of evil that we were talking about. So if you think of it this way, the world is covered by a cloud of darkness. Not, not literally. I mean, we see clouds, and it's obviously bright outside today. But have you ever gone somewhere, and you have felt like there's just wow, this place just feels wrong. Have you ever felt that? My mom said this to me one time, and I thought she was silly when I was a kid. I used to shop at Hot Topic. And I would go there, yes, I know, Hot Topic. So I went, I went into Hot Topic, and I was looking for a T-shirt or something, and my mom walked in there, and she said, oh my gosh, she said, Jared, this place is just, there's just, there's just darkness in here. You know, I was like, oh, whatever, mom. You know, I'm like a teenager and, and thinking that's silly, but 
But there is a reality to this, that, that there are places in our world that there is just that darkness has dominion, right? If you go into places where people are, are full of anger and full of rage or depression, those are all influences of the darkness. This entire world is covered by darkness. In the fact, in the book of Genesis, right, in the very beginning of the Bible, we see a story about a man and a woman named Adam and Eve. And the concept of this story is that God gives them that gives them territory to, to protect. He says, here is where I want you to be. Take care of this land, right? But then we know, according to the story, that they eat a forbidden fruit and sin comes into the world from that because they weren't supposed to do that thing, right? Now, it wasn't just in that moment. It wasn't just Adam and Eve that now had this curse of sin in their life. The reality is, in that moment, the entire world, sin entered all of it. The curse entered all of it. The darkness has now spread across the entire earth. And so Satan then becomes the ruler over earth. The Bible tells us in multiple passages that Satan is the ruler over mankind and over this earth. And so we live under a cloud of darkness that covers the entire world. Have you ever seen the movie or the TV show Under the Dome? Anybody ever heard of that TV show? It's on NBC, I think it is, or whatever. The idea, the concept is, is that in this city in Maine, there is this dome, this foreign from this place just comes down and rests over top of the city and it locks everybody inside of it. This is kind of the idea we're talking about, is that there is this, this dome of darkness that surrounds the entire planet, figuratively, okay? And, and there is no way out. There is no way to get out from that darkness. It influences everything that happens except through Jesus Christ. Now, some of you guys are thinking, Jared, you're crazy, okay? You are nuts. I don't think I believe in, in this evil thing. I don't think I believe in this devil. I don't know if I believe in, in demons and in, and in spiritual, you know, evil and those types of things. And I would just say, let me make this appeal to you, all right? Because there is good news today, all right? So we're going to move beyond this in a moment. But it's important to understand the world that we live in. I just can't see how the things that I see constantly could be the hands of just, of just of human beings. Like, there is so much pain. There is so much, so much devastation and brokenness in our world. And there are good people. I have seen good, good, good people do terrible things. How can that be? How can that be that good people who are husbands and wives who have a good relationship get seduced to go and have an affair on his, with his family? How can, how can parents abandon their children? How can all of these terrible things? I just, I just cannot see that it is just at the hands of human beings. I mean, I, there, there are whispers in our ears all the time. I know and I believe God's word teaches it that there, is, there, is, there are dark forces in our world that we cannot see that influence this world. I just believe that, and I encourage you to at least open your eyes to see that, okay? There is a sense that this world is cursed. Now, here, let's read on, right? It says, and then it goes, all of us also lived among them at one time. So every one of us gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Think about that for a second. Isn't that you? Can you not identify with this? I know what my life was like before I found Jesus Christ. I know the things that I did, the things that I had absolutely no idea that they were wrong. There was no remorse for the things, the hurt and the devastation I left behind me. I know this is me. Like the rest of us, we were by nature deserving of wrath. What he's doing here is he is describing to us the condition that we had before Christ. 
And we all, all of us even have this tendency towards spiraling self-destructive habits, right? I mean, every one of us in this room could say, yes, I have a habit in my life that, or something that I struggle with or a vice or something, right? Every one of us has a bent that leads us toward self-destructive habits, okay? And that's what this is talking about. It's proving it to us. And, 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 and what the Bible says that any person who hasn't had that evil removed from them by the grace of Jesus Christ, ultimately is going to be judged at the end of, day, at the end of days. The Bible talks about how one day God's going to come and he's going to do away with evil. He's going to do away with all of these types of things. This is the pre-Christ condition of every single person on this planet who doesn't know Jesus. Every person, your neighbor, your mom, your sister, your coworker, your boss, your kids, right? We all are suffering under all of this, and we need Jesus. So to recap this horribly, terrible, depressing biblical worldview, there are four conditions before Christ. One, we are spiritually dead. Two, we are dominated by darkness. Three, we are defeated because of the spirals in our life, the the self-inflicting destructive habits. And four, we are doomed for judgment. But thank God there is good news. Thank God there is good news. You see, God saw all of this. He saw our plight. He saw that we were in, in over our heads, that there was nothing that we could do. And he decided to do something about it. And this is really why Jesus came in the first place. So if God is our commanding officer, so we talked about that, that he is a commanding officer, and we'll get to more about what that means. Jesus really is a special agent who was sent ultimately to implement his plan. I mean, this is what the Bible is all about. This is what the gospel of Jesus is all about. This is the power of the gospel, that Jesus came to earth, that he defeated death, that he defeated darkness when he rose from the dead after he was crucified. I mean, that's, that's the story here. The Bible says that Jesus was then exalted to the highest place, okay? The highest place, and that Jesus is a human being, so he was a human being when all of this happened is what the Bible tells us. That when he, was, when he was, came to earth, was crucified, gave his life up willingly for us, and then died, three days later was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that as a human being, he was then exalted to the highest of places, and he has now reestablished our right as human beings on this planet over darkness, over death and over darkness. Jesus is now seated above that darkness. And how do I know this? Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 6. So first we get all the, the worldview of everyone is doomed, and then the next verse, but, I love that, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive, praise God, with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved, and God, this is interesting, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So what we see here is that Jesus is not under the darkness. Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, rose above the dome of darkness, now sits above it. He is not under it. And every single demon in hell must submit to the authority of Jesus Christ because he defeated them when he died on the cross and rose from the grave. But it's not just Jesus who is above the darkness. The Bible actually tells us that we, as Christians, are also now above that darkness. That when we come to Jesus Christ, when we submit our lives to him, his spirit comes inside of us. It regenerates us. We were once dead in our transgressions, but now we are alive in Christ. And then it says we are seated with him, right? So if Jesus Christ has been 
death and is dead and that he gets raised and he is exalted high above, that he has defeated all of it. Because we are now with him, we are in Christ, the Bible tells us that we are now no longer submitting to that darkness. It cannot control us anymore. The things that once held us back do not have power over us. Through the authority of Jesus Christ and his name, we have power to be able to step above those things. That's good news, guys. That's incredible news. You are to be a conqueror. You no longer have to listen to the things that have been put upon you by this world, the labels that you, that you are being called, the things that your past has called you. You are not that person anymore in Christ. You are a conqueror. You are above all of it. Praise God for that. Because of what Christ has done on the cross and through his resurrection, you are now above that dome of darkness that holds this world and those without Christ. And this has huge implications for our prayer life. Yes, I'm bringing it right back to prayer now. This is huge for our prayer life because God is our commanding officer. And what he is doing is he is now saying, because of what I have done in your life, I am now sending you into dark places so that you can make a difference and that I can rescue other people like I rescued you. That is who we are. We are not just saved so that we can now go live on a beach with a palm tree in heaven. No. Instead, what we're supposed to do is, while we are here on this earth, God has said, I have raised you above it. And now go rescue people who need the same. He's sending us. He's partnering with us. We are allies with Jesus who rules over everything. And God is looking for a partnership. He is commanding us to go as his representatives. And so this is this concept of authority. Uh, There's a story in the Gospels where Jesus, uh, a Roman centurion, comes to Jesus and says, my servant is sick and is going to die. Can you please heal my servant? And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, sure. We'll come and I'll touch this child and and she'll she'll be healed. And the centurion says, no, no, no. Like, I know all you have to do is just say the word. Right? And some of you have heard the story. He says, all you have to do is say the word, and I know that, that she'll be healed. And he says, and I know this because I, too, am under, under supervision of someone. Because he's in the military, he has a boss. And his boss tells him what to do. And when he goes to do it, he carries the authority of his boss. Right? And he said, and the same thing is true of you. I know that you're the boss. He's telling Jesus. I know the demons and, and all of these sicknesses, they flee at your name. They must obey you. I've seen it in action, this man says to Jesus, right? And he says, so all you have to do is just speak, and I know it will be done. And Jesus says, what great faith. I have not seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. What he's talking about is authority. He's saying that I know the authority that you have, and because you tell me to do something, that gives me the authority to walk in. And this is important for us to understand in prayer. Because we are not under this darkness any longer, because we are not bound by it, the chains that have held us are no longer are holding us any longer, because we are seated with Christ in the heavens, according to what Scripture teaches us, Jesus tells us to go do something in his power, in his name. That means that when we go and we are obedient, we carry his authority with us. So when we pray with authority, there are some things to understand. The first is this, taking notes, I have a role. I have a role. You and I have a role in bringing healing to a broken world. When I pray, what I'm acting out is as a representative of God's will. When I say God, we've talked about this before, prayer is really about about agreeing with God what God wants to do more than it is about getting him to do something that he doesn't want to do. So when I agree with God, God, I know that you want that child who is hungry to have food. 
God, I know that you want this marriage that is on the rocks to be healed. God, I know that you want that war over in this country to stop. God, I know, whatever the thing is, I know that this is your will because this is what your word teaches. When I agree with that, when I pray about that, now I'm sitting here on my knees and I pray about that thing. What I'm doing is I am God's representative and I am fighting on behalf of what God wants to do in that space and his power can be released into it. I have a role. Genesis 2, 15. It tells us about Adam and Eve again. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. From the very beginning, mankind's job has always been to take care of whatever it was in his possession or that he had influence over. And for us today, that's ourselves. That's our home. That's our family. That's our friends. That's where we work. That's where you live. So, We, as representatives of Jesus Christ, have a role, and our role is to influence everything that we have influence over for the light of Jesus Christ. So when we pray with authority, we have to recognize that we have a role, that it's not just someone else's job. It's not just Pastor Jared's job to be praying for this community. It's not just Heather's job to to pray for the women in our church. Like, no, like, our, our role, every one of us as a follower of Jesus Christ has a role in bringing the light of Jesus Christ to the darkness that surrounds us. And we start in the areas that we have influence over. Number two, we have a role, but we also have a rank. We have a rank. We talked about this already. I am not, I am over, I am not under the power of darkness or the power of evil. This is a supervisory position. You and I are now carrying the authority of our boss. So when you and I walk into a location and we pray about something or when we come together as a church and we pray or when you're in your car or your lunch break or you're at home and there's something that's going on in your life and you pray and you say, God, I know that you want wholeness in this area of my life or in this area of my my friend's life or whatever it is, right? If you see a family member or a friend or a coworker struggling with something, that is not God's plan for their life. So you know that. And you go in and you say, I know, under the authority that I have in Jesus Christ, I pray for that thing to be canceled, for that thing to end. I pray for healing. I pray for life. Not because I can do anything. Jared walks into a room and says, get out of here, and they just punch me in the face. Like, that's, there's nothing I can do about it. But the reality is, is that Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, is above all things, that he rules over all all things. And because I am his child, because I am a co-heir with him, because I have inheritance of his authority, when we walk into circumstances or when we pray and we ask for God to tear those things down, it can happen because we are partnering with him and because we are taking a stand against those evil things that are fighting and trying to resist it. We have a rank. And so what that means is that the demons of hell not only submit to Jesus, but they submit to your authority under Jesus Christ. And this is, I'm not, I'm not going to get into all this stuff. I don't want it to sound weird to you. But there is demonic influence in this world. And when you come to a situation that seems for all intents and purposes, I can't figure out why this isn't working the way that it's supposed to, more likely than not, there is something behind the scenes that is influencing it. And you have the authority to pray against that thing. In Jesus' name, I pray against anything that is stopping this person from knowing wholeness or knowing healing. You have authority to speak just like the disciples did and just like the apostles did. This is what the Bible teaches. That means that you can can proclaim protection over your home. 
and your family. I do that almost every night before I go to bed. I pray, God, I pray that you will protect this house, that, that, that while I'm sleeping and I can't do anything physically, that you would send your angels to, to protect this home. Why? Because I know I'm a pastor of the church who is trying to do something that the enemy in this city does not want to be done. I know that I have experienced attacks on my life personally and spiritually because of efforts that we are making as a church. And so I would be remiss if I didn't pray and ask God to protect under the authority of Jesus Christ to protect my family and my home. You have the same authority. Take a stand and know that your rank in a supervisory position in the kingdom of God is that you are above the darkness. It must submit to you because of who Jesus Christ is. You carry the name of Jesus Christ everywhere you go. This is interesting. In Ephesians 1, 18 to 22, I want you to, I want you to understand the power that we have in us. And I'm not making this up, okay? This is literally what the Bible says. Check this out. Verse 18. It's on the screen. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So basically he's saying, I just really want you to get this. This is what he's saying. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in this holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same, same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. I want to pause for a second. You guys ever listen to that song on the radio that says, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave? You ever heard that song? Okay, it's on K-Love. If you check it out, right, it's a Christian radio station. Where does that come from? Right here. The same power that literally rose a dead man from the grave and seated him above all darkness is the same power that lives inside of you and I. Verse 20, he exerted them when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. In other words, there is nothing that stops Jesus, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. And because you are a child of God, it is now in your DNA. You have the authority of Jesus Christ just running through your veins. And when you tap into that in prayer, you become a powerhouse. I want you to understand this, that we are the church. Everything is under the feet of Jesus, and now it's under our feet as well because he has raised us up. We are to be victorious in this world. And part of what makes us pray in faith is because we believe that God's word is true and we know that when we pray, we can make a difference in our lives. The things that are hopeless, when you look at a family member who's just going down in this spiral of spiral, it just, it just continue to destroy themselves and there is nothing that you or I can do about it but pray. We get on our knees and we say under the authority of Jesus Christ, I pray that the darkness would release them from their pain or from their struggle. We believe in Jesus' name that his power that his authority has the ability to change their circumstances. When we pray like that, we will begin to see things change. We have a rank. Number three, I have a right. We have a right to believe for breakthrough answers. It's not about demanding something from God that he doesn't want to give. God is the commander, and he is sending us as representatives into the battlefield for you to overcome it with authority. And this is interesting. Every single place that we go to, Every place that we go to, we have a right as Christians who carry the authority of Jesus to claim that as new territory for God. 
When, this, is a, this, is a, this is a shift in mindset for everyone, I think, for a lot of people in this room. And I'm still learning this. But when you go into a place that is dominated by evil, a crack den, for example, maybe you go into a, to a, an impoverished neighborhood, there is a sense of oppression in the area, right? That's because darkness rules in that place. But the Bible teaches us that because we are the carriers of Jesus Christ and his light, that when we walk into those places, we have the authority to claim that territory no longer from the enemy and take it and say, no, no, we are now going to become guerrilla fighters in this area. And we are now taking this place back. That's what we did in this community. That's why we had prayer nights on a regular basis as we were launching this church. We knew we were coming into a community that, that the enemy controlled. There is depression here. There is poverty here. There is darkness here. There is self-image here. There's all sorts of things that are holding people bondage here. And we knew that if we were going to start a church in this community, that we were going to bring the light of Jesus Christ into this place that we had to be subversive through prayer. We came here with the authority of Jesus Christ. And that's the same thing that you can do in any area. If your work feels oppressive, if your family life feels oppressive, you have the ability to make a difference little by little by shining that light, by praying. It just, it just, it's like that light just continues to influence around. I promise you, the authority and the power that you have is incredible. When whenever or wherever the enemy is attacking you, you have the right to believe that you will have the breakthrough in your life. Because... I mean, so here, here's the deal. This is where it really ends right now. Is Either you believe what I'm saying or you don't. And if you believe that the Bible is telling us that there are forces at work that are resisting God's will, when you have things happening in your life, things that are difficult and frustrating, you're like, I don't understand why. I'm living for God. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm, I, I honestly truly believe that I'm living my life the way God wants me to live. Why is all of this happening? Most likely, it is an attack that is trying to keep you off base because the enemy does not want you to pray in authority. The enemy does not want you to have success. The enemy does not want you to beat your addictions, right? He wants you to remain the same so that all the neighbors who live around you, all your coworkers, everybody else who's struggling can stay that way. That's his job. But we have the authority to pray against those things in our lives. When my kids are struggling with things, when, when my son or my daughter are having attitude issues or attitude problems, I pray over those things. I don't say it to them. I go into my prayer place and I say, God, whatever it is that's causing my kids to act like this. In some respects, they're just kids, right? But there is an element of the world trying to train them against God's ways. So I pray against those things. And I see success in those things. Authority. And lastly, I have a responsibility. You and I all have a responsibility to use my authority in Christ. You have a responsibility to use your authority. And here's why. If all of this that Jesus has done for us, he's forgiven us, he's given us life, he's raised us above the darkness, if we still live a prayerless life, what a tragedy. What a tragedy that, it, that, that, that we know that God has given us such great power and authority, and yet we don't use it. We don't connect with our creator who gave us everything. That's just, that's, just, that's just terrible. We have this authority in our hands that the Bible teaches us can change our lives, our family's lives, our friends' lives, our kids, our coworkers, our neighbors. All of these things. We have authority in our life to agree with God, to bring change to a hurting world. And if we don't do anything about it, 
it's easy for us to look around in our world and see all the problems and think that someone caused it. And yes, yes, hear me. I am not at all saying that, that people don't have re- responsibility for their actions. I know that I have done things that are wrong and well, I may have been influenced by a, by a source for that, for that action, I still chose to do it. So all the things that are happening, the wars that we see, the terrible things we hate, domestic violence and, and affairs and abuse and, and all of the things that we see all around the world, yes, people are responsible for their actions. But instead, when we see these terrible things happening, either close to home or foreign, instead of trying to blame people for it, why don't we get on our knees? Why don't we get on our knees and say, Father, I pray against this thing that's happening because I know that it's not your plan for that person's life, for either the one giving it or the one receiving it. Why don't we take the authority that God has given us instead of blaming people in in our politics and our society and all those things and start praying instead for a solution? Ask God, what is it that I can do? How can I start in my family? How can I start in my home, at my job, in my neighborhood? Would you show me? Because we are seated with Christ and he wants to partner with us. He is our commanding officer who wants to send us to places, to people who are hurting. We have to be willing. We have a responsibility. And so, a couple weeks ago, I encouraged everyone to pray 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day. Just take some time to thank God and to to worship Him and to ask for forgiveness and to pray over different things that that you need in your life because He cares about those things and to to proclaim freedom and all those things. You pray for a minute on each of them. You're going to get pretty close to your 10 minutes. And this is why. This is why I challenged you. It's because if we don't pray, then our world will never become a better place. If we don't do the thing that God has asked us to do and partner with us, we are, we are erasing half of the equation. Because God wants to do incredible things, and he does do miracles, but primarily he works through his people. And if we are not willing to partner with him and say, God, I receive that power. If we spend time getting encouragement in our own lives, talk to me, God, speak to me, give me dreams, give me ideas, show me who I should start with, Right? Like, when we spend time with that and we listen to him, he gives us what we need, and we can then go be obedient and bring it, and you'll see what he does in your life. This entire month, I've been praying every day, the 31 days of prayer. I've been praying for various things in my life and for this church, and we're beginning to see God answer. It's pretty cool. It's so awesome when you sit there, because that's what prayer is. It's not about God has something I want, and I don't know how to get it, so I'm going to keep shaking the vending machine. It's about saying, I know this is what you want, I'm going to pray for that. And I'm fighting in the spirit realm for you to release that thing. That's how we have to look at prayer. This is what we have been called by God to be. It's not always easy, but we have to change our view of prayer. And we have to understand that God created this tool of communication with him. And he wants us to understand who we are and the power it has to change our lives in the world that we live in. Would you pray with me? Would you all stand up and pray with me? I understand that, uh, that this message was probably pretty heavy-hitting. I don't feel like it's a very common message, though, that we hear in churches. It always bugged me in movies when you would see, like, one of those, like, possession movies when the priest would come and, and they would 
pray over or try to do an exorcism over, you know, this demon-possessed person you see in a movie. And then the priest ends up out the window dead, right? Like, that's usually what happens. It always bothered me because that is not the picture of the Bible. The picture of the Bible is that when a Christian walks in the door, in any circumstance, that through the power of the name of Jesus Christ, the demons must flee. And I feel like it's just so important for us to understand this concept that when we pray, we are not beggars. We're not children whining to God. No, we are his children. And we are not just children. We have been raised up. And in, in, in take this for, for a grain of salt, what I'm saying. We are soldiers in his kingdom to dispel and defeat the darkness around us. And that only happens through the authority of the one who gives it to us. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.